Parent, player, and pro bowler are three hats few have the opportunity to wear. But former Eagles great David Akers wears all three. A six-time Pro Bowl kicker and all-time leading scorer in Philadelphia Eagles history, and now father of a recent UCLA commitment kicker to his son Luke Akers, David has a unique perspective on reality, recruiting, and navigating the muddy waters of trying to play college football as a parent and former player. And with the fog of recruiting and misinformation out there, David brings clarity to where we need it the most, recruiting specialists. P.S. If you like what you heard, or even better, if you hated it, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes with your honest thoughts to help make this show even better. If you keep on listening, you have a chance to win a free copy of my book, Headcase, How to Get Your Head Out of Your Own Way as a Kicker, Punter, or Snapper. All you have to do is DM me at Cahill Kicking on Twitter or Instagram with the answer to this question. What was the nickname that David Akers' early coaches gave him and why? Enjoy. Six-time Pro Bowl kicker David Akers with me here. Tell us, what is your super secret hero background story? Super secret? You know, it's interesting. I think growing up, I wasn't really thinking, hey, I want to be a kicker. You know, when you were playing backyard football, I was a soccer player, a swimmer. I was a really kind of small guy. So, like, ah, you're not able to play football. You're going to get hurt, whatever. So. Growing up, the Redskins were my favorite team. And so John Riggins was like the guy that I would think of. And Joe Theismann, you know, Art Monk, those guys. Right. Man, I grew up in Kentucky. I don't know how I became a Redskins fan. But anyway, <laughs> right. those guys were the people I thought of. I didn't think of Mark Mosley back in the day. And I didn't even straight on kick, you know, because I was a soccer guy. Right. But Mark Mosley was a straight on guy back in the day with that team. And uh, very successful, nonetheless. And I don't know if people know this, but actually won the MVP of the NFL as a kicker. Wow. Um, so, so I would say that you know, kind of growing growing up playing football and you know, in the backyard style and you know, following the the game. Those are the guys that I would you know, kind of look into. But when I started watching kickers, I watched Morton Anderson initially, and being left footed, and you know saying, oh, man, I would love to be able to kick a ball like he does and kind of watched, you know, how he did things. And then I was fortunate enough to be with him in camp in 1998 with the Atlanta Falcons. And so I literally just picked his brain and asked so many questions to not only Morton Anderson but Dan Straczynski at the time to the point where – Morton and Dan called me Q for question boy, you know, like I just wanted to know what they did to, to be able to make it. And, and seeing Morton at that, at that time, I think he was about 38 years of age and, you know, played with the Saints and with the Falcons. And, you know, from there he was Kansas city and Minnesota and New York giants. I mean, a lot of different places. But in that time being, you know, being there, watching him train, watch what his off season was about and, and how they back in the day where they could, you know, kind of work the balls in and all that, just seeing the day-to-day off season preparation for a guy with his longevity that he had uh, was, was very intriguing to me. And to the point where I just wanted to be a sponge and just soak it all up. So if I think about football wise, 
kind of my hero in that regard would, would be Mort. Yeah, for those listening, maybe we got a couple young guys out there. Morton Anderson was one of the top kickers of all time, so definitely give him a – I think he played – One of two. One of two kickers right. that are, is in the Hall of Fame true kickers. You know, you got George Blanda and uh, Lou the Toe in there. Right. Uh, but as far as true kickers, Jan Stenerud and Morton Anderson. Now, there should be more love for kickers that have done, you know, extraordinary things over that time. But I believe he played till he was 47 years of age. Yeah, and then didn't the Falcons end up calling him back a couple years after he, he did, retired? Yeah. yeah, there were some injuries um, with that time. And I, I'm trying to think who was there. Maybe Elon was there during that time, if mm-hmm. memory serves correct. Right. He got a little injured, and uh, they had Bosch, not Bosher, they had um, um, Conan who was yep. there. Mike Conan was there. So, yeah, good, good, good guy, great guy, matter of fact. And, uh, you know, just was very much willing to, to kind of pay it forward. And kind of along with that same kind of thought process, and this is why I enjoy this, these types of conversations with you and uh, other guys like Shane Graham that, that are yeah. out there that, that are great. willing to chat at any time about this. Uh, but when I go back and I think of who I am a part of in my, in my kicking profession, uh, I, I go for my first training camp with John Casey. If John Casey wasn't in my life in, in that 1997, and I have to go back, and as a, as a man of faith, I, I have to thank God for the opportunities in looking how things went, would not be the way that I would have written the story. But if I look back on how it all went down, I'm very thankful because guys like John Casey, John Casey helped me to realize my form was extremely flawed through college. Mm-hmm. And he made me kind of rethink and retool myself and change my technique to be a very more and very early on understand that there were not a lot of vertical swing plane kickers in the late nineties going into uh, the two thousands. It just wasn't, there was a, a very horizontal swing plane. Uh, not that those guys, you know, didn't have success in their own right, but a very vertical swing plane mm-hmm. was kind of the new change in, in the in today's era kicker all the very top level guys are vertical swing plane now and, you, you mean so for those listening and correct me if i'm wrong horizontal swing you mean they'll look a little bit more like a soccer player coming across their body and then like vertical swing meaning more down towards your target a straighter swing yes and, okay. and we can get more into that here in a little bit but but in theory let's think about going through the ball as straight as possible instead of more hip torque and kind of spinning to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are guys that do that and still have modern day kickers that were able to do that. Janikowski, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Matt Bryant, uh, very similar in that, in that and obviously did very well for long, long periods of time. But when you look at Tucker, Guskowski, Prater, Bucker, um, you know, Jake Elliott, that type of list of guys, mm-hmm. very, very vertical swing plane guys, very vertical. Um, gotcha. Okay. So John Casey helped me with that. Uh, he, lo- he learned a lot of that from Nick Lowry. So John is in the people that know John Casey know how shifts of uh, an incredible human being he is and, and willing to, to spend time and, and, and teach me that, Hey man, obviously he wasn't too worried that I was going to take his job apparently in training <laughs> camp. 
so he was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you the ways uh, where we can go here, young gra- grasshopper." So I, right. I got released there and came home and worked on that for about six months. Then went into camp with the with the Panthers. I'm sorry, with the, with the uh, golly, the Falcons. So I went Panthers, Falcons, and both of those teams actually punted and kicked. Uh, as far as being able to just to be that kind of combo guy and mm-hmm. and relieve Straczynski and um, somewhat compete for the for the job that Ken Walter won uh, in Carolina back in uh, 1997. So we go and you already heard about Morton. So yeah, John Casey and then Morton. And then when I went to the Eagles, we had Norm Johnson who was on the team. And Norm had played for 17 years. He had finished up in, in with the Steelers prior to that. Um, and so I was able to live with Norm, and he kicked mainly the shorter field goals. I kicked the long field goals and did the kickoffs. Mm-hmm. But I was able to learn from him on a day-to-day basis how to be a professional, the mm-hmm. day in, day out. This is how I, per, you know, uh, you know, prog- progress as, as the week goes through. This is what I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and game day. And I was right. able to see that for, for 17 straight weeks. And what he did to his body, how he maintained it, you know, his, his practice structure, yada, yada. So that, in a sense, were my three kicking guys that I was able to kind of formulate everything with. And then I'll even throw a shout out to, to Sean Landetta, who played, I think, 23 years professional balls, uh, some of that USFL and then the NFL. But when you look at Landetta, he was a guy that I was able to watch what he was able to do on and off the field and kind of learned how to use, you know, work with the media and be able to utilize your name and deal with corporations and, and kind of bridge that gap between your professional career, but also into a marketing and, and way of, um, of kind of extending yourself in your own pro- professional career. And that has actually helped me off the field as football has since uh, finished. So those are like the four guys that really in the position of mm-hmm. specialists really helped uh, kind of hone who I am now. So even though Morton kind of was the guy I started with as far as like watching as a kid and then got to go to camp with, those are the four guys coming together. Gotcha. What do you see as the long big, answer? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great. No, I mean, everybody's going to love that. Um, Cause I think, you know, if you look at the history of kicking, everybody's got a little bit different take and it's kind of like kicking folklore. It's never really written down, but everybody kind of knows the outlines of it. Um, sure. Can you kind of discuss what the difference between a true pro and an amateur is? So like, for example, a recurring story or, or theme that I've heard from the guys that I know uh, who are kind of in the NFL now or have been in the NFL is that the, the true veterans are always, they tend to be more giving to the guys that are brought in to compete with them. And it's usually the undrafted free agent that quite isn't. So could you kind of discuss some, what you see as a real, di- like the, what's the mark of a true pro as a specialist in the NFL? And I think you can take that into any business concept that you're talking about as a true professional is a person that isn't going, they're, they're so ingrained into their own ability that they, they have so much confidence in what they do. They're not worried about losing their job Mm -hmm. for, for somebody coming in. And, And if they, 
even if they lose their job and they want to go younger, cheaper, whatever that may be, they're confident in their abilities that they're going to be somewhere else. And so if you have a guy, and I was very, again, very fortunate to, to be with two incredible pros with, with John Casey and Morton and competing quote unquote with those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and that yet they said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pass this along, pay it forward, if you will. And I kind of learned that and said, you know, I have to be able to be that kind of same guy. And I hope, and I, I have heard from other people that have been in camp with me that they gave me kind of some of that, that feedback, Mm -hmm. said hey man we appreciated what you did and I'm very thankful that they can recognize that I was at least trying to do that to them so it if you're strong in your own ability the really good players seem to be able to kind of pass that along the guys that are insecure about their abilities and what they can do um, they're too scared to they're so worried about everybody else instead of the really professionals man they control what they can can control mm-hmm. now it doesn't mean you're like oh dude if you fix this one thing you're going to be able to kill me but you can be like hey man that's a great shot have you thought about you know your legs going here have you thought about maybe swinging a little bit more towards your target instead of swinging so horizontal you know mm-hmm. uh, i see your foot's kind of falling over to the side you're not staying real strong on that plant have you thought about kind of releasing that more downfield, you know, whatever that may be, your jab step looks a little inconsistent. You, you kind of roll into it this time. Now you're kind of really big step. And if you kind of do it that way and, and you're, you know, uplifting and, and encouraging, there's a guy I talk with still on a daily basis a lot, uh, Giorgio Tavecchio, who mm-hmm. has been around the NFL and, you know, yeah. back in 2012, looked like a little mini me to me. Um, <laughs> He's a lefty, right? And it, yeah, you know, we looked very. He's changed up some stuff a little bit now, but just a great, great person. And and you know, so I still talk with him. Ken Parrish is a guy that came in and competed two years in a row with, and still talk with him. Jose Cortez is another guy that I still. Eric Ming was another one that still you know, chat with uh, occasionally. E.J. Cochran was two years in a row, like another guy that I've kept in contact with over the years. So I'm very fortunate, not only that I feel like I was able to to help in that regard. Now, maybe to a degree or not, I don't know, but at least I feel like there's there's a, a commonality of, of respect between the both of us that, you know, I respected what their ability uh, on the field, uh, but also off the field, uh, you know, down the road that like, we can still say, man, you know, you were there for me and, and man, you pushed me to be a better as well, you know, on a mm-hmm. daily basis. But if you're worried about what, who's competing against you, man, you've already lost. Right. I, I, I truly believe that it, it's like, that's, a, that's a, like a golfer. If they're worried about what everybody else, you got to worry about your kick. You line up for that. It doesn't matter what's happening. You can control what only you can control. Right. And so do you, so who is your, who do you compete with then? How do you define competition? Competition is who the coach brings in. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're competing against every kicker out there because you're an injury away from the next guy up. You're mm-hmm. a couple missed kicks from the next guy up and whoever that may be on their short list. 
Right. Um, I made the Washington Redskins because the player personnel saw my warmups when I was with the Atlanta Falcons. Gotcha. And it's like, well, that guy probably thought he was solidified. He had a couple bad games. I was put on practice squad. He had a couple bad games and then I got activated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I started having some, I went through some injuries. I had three surgeries in a uh, 16 month period. I went from my last pro bowl to unemployed in 22 months. I had three wow. surgeries in between that, that 22 months. Mm-hmm. And so then the writing's on a wall. I'm not being consistent. I'm injury prone, if you will. I mean, it was the same injury, but uh, it was it was in the the rectus abdominal and, and, and adductor. So it was kind of the quote unquote sports hernia deal. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to stay healthy and, and yet, your minimum is at a, a certain range. And so you, you kind of just see the writing on the wall. It's not that I was ready to be done. It's just my body said, you're ready to be done. And because of that, you're not performing well. And so kind of going, you know, forward, um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just see that there's, there's so many different ways of how careers go and up and down and opportunities that, your competition is yourself. You compete against yourself and let the chips fall where they may. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And it's uh, you know, it's especially working. I mean, I'm, I'm working with younger guys, high school guys, college guys, even, you know, I think, I think social media just kind of amplifies all of our worst traits, but you know, there's always that, that urge to compare and peek over and see what somebody else is doing. And, then you start to question your own swing and um, but yeah, you're, you are your ultimate competition now for well, the one thing I'll say yeah. about social media is this. Yeah. Let's hear it. No matter what, no matter what you see on there for the most part is the best of the best of anybody, whether you're talking, I'm not even talking kicking. I'm just saying social media, right? They show you the best of who they are. Um, and so when you see this highlight or two of a good kick or, good pun, a good kickoff. Uh, when, and we'll get into this later. I know we're going to talk more coaching and then quote unquote recruiting and all that. But <laughs> right. the one thing that I have always done with guys I've worked with, I'm like, dude, I don't want to see one or two shots. I want you to hit me six or seven shots one way, six or seven shots the other way, right? If you're trying to show – a coaching staff that you're a good enough player. And I want the camera running the whole time. I don't want six or seven highlighted shots. Right. Did you go three for seven on one side and two for seven on the other? Or did you go six for seven and seven for seven? Mm-hmm. And how can you prove it? Because the camera never stopped. Right. And that that's the type of thing that I want to see. I want it one way, one way. Uh, like, Look, we all play in windy conditions. Sometimes you're kicking with the wind. It's in your back. It's in, you know, cross diagonal and you can whatever. But all of a sudden, I'll hit my 65 yard today. Well, great. You had a, a hurricane at your back. Fantastic. <laughs> right. And I had, a, I had a mother say to me, uh, not to me, it was through like social media. I think maybe you were on, the, on, on that post um, talking about upset that their son's like not consistent from 65 yards I had one attempt in the pros and one attempt in college 
from plus 60 yards. That's two attempts and, in almost 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But if you can make 45 and under, that's where your son needs to be. And he's not even a senior yet. I'm like, are you serious? Right. Whoever's telling you that is ridiculous and they don't know the game. Tell right. me a guy in college right now. You know, if you had a guy in college that 90% of the time you put him out from 45 and in, guaranteed scholarship without a shadow of a doubt. Guarantee it. Right. Who cares if the guy can't even hit 60? Louisville's kicker just came out, Blanton Crikey. He ended up tearing his ACL later in this year. Probably one of the weakest legs that I've seen in Division One, but one of the most accurate. When he was on, he was on. Right. And a great guy. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we have, and this is a thing that some people, and we're kind of going into tangents here, so I'll, I'll say this and you go on to your next question. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I get irritated when, when people are like, oh, I got to get my legs stronger. Like, okay, I would love to be a 95-mile-an-hour fastball pitcher, right? The reality is I'm probably 78. No matter what I do, I'm never going to throw 95, okay? No matter what you do, you're not going to be Justin Tucker. It's just not going to happen. We're all given different (laughs) gifts, talents, abilities in life. You can use the best of what it is for you to have an incredible high school career, maybe a, a, a mediocre high school career. Maybe your great high school career will take you on to be a Division III, Division II guy, Division I. Who knows what that journey may be for you? But don't say that you have to be X, Y, or Z to be something because it's not the case. We all have our different journey, and we have the opportunity to use this platform, not necessarily for the NFL. I was extremely lucky. Lucky, yes. Blessed, all of that incorporated. But the timing of how everything works out. Right. There, there is, there is kind of a coming together of man. It all worked out. Somebody gave me the opportunity. I made the best of the opportunity. I struggled through this, but yet they kept going on. And that's that's got to be your your outlook. If it happens, right. it happens. Use it as a platform, whether it's educationally to learn um, in high school, to learn learn uh, to play as a team, self discipline, self motivation, to be able to persevere understand when the chips go down, you know, that you're going to pick yourself back up. After you miss mm-hmm. a kick, you come through with your team, all of that to, Hey, maybe you get to go to play college and sure. you learn that as a networking opportunity to, to get a job X, Y, or Z, even if it's a walk on, or you get a scholarship and you get four years paid for in school. And the amount of money you save for that because of when after my junior year I was always you know pretty strong-legged guy for for that time period um and not the most accurate at times and looking back I wish I had been able to have a year that you didn't come back to my senior year because it would have been night and day um but you know you learn and you move and you grow and you, you you're gonna fail in life it's a matter of kind of falling forward as you fail and picking yourself and continue to step forward instead of going back and repeating the same things over and over again. So all that kind of going into 
utilize whatever path you are currently on to to be as a as a an opportunity to grow in whatever way that may be because we all have a different path sure and i think it's with with training you know obviously perfection is ideal but all all training does is make make it more likely that you will perform when you have to perform but since you're human you're going to make mistakes and you kind of have to understand you're never going to totally be able to take chance out of the game and if you know i know probably down south in tennessee football is a little bit bigger but you know in the northeast i think the average high school field goal distance is barely it's like just under 30 yards you know like don't you don't have to obviously you want to hit the big ball sometimes and it's a lot of fun to do that but your bread and butter even in high school is 35 40 and in just be consistent work on being consistent i mean i i can't stress that enough quit worrying about the big ball you know and we can even get into this you know when you start talking about snap hold kick Mm -hmm. you can you can have a great snapper an okay holder and your operation isn't going to be that great because your kicker has to make sure your holder, you can have a bad snapper, but an incredible holder and still have a really quick op time. And the inconsistencies in high school are so drastic that I almost feel like let's just block better and give these guys a little (laughs) bit better time. Right. You know, because I hear some of these coaches say these numbers. I'm like, there's no possible way your high school snap holder and kicker can be that fast and yet be consistent because they're just either a bad snap or a bad hold, you know, and then your kicker's rushing to get it off. And then it's just, it's a, an appetite for just, just, you know, yeah. some sort of, of, of bad destruction, if, if you, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I had a, um, a, a kid text me last, I think it was last preseason and it was an FCS school and he texted me and he goes, Hey, how realistic is a 0.7, you know, snap to kick. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like practice how you're going to play. Coaches want? Yeah. He was like, could you call my special teams coach to try to explain to him that not even NFL guys oh. get that. <laughs> but no. um, all right, let's, let's switch. Look at Justin Tucker. You look at Justin Tucker and look at myself. Yeah, we were really our, our optimal kick because the reason why I say Justin Tucker is because John Harbaugh and Randy Brown were, were with us both during those times. Right. One, two, eight is our optimal time because it gives you opportunity for error and you don't see much error between Morgan Cox, Sam Cook and, and Justin Tucker. And still that's their optimal time. Right. So, and that's at eight yards. So these coaches that want to think, one two zero in college at seven yards, that's flying. You yeah. better be just perfect. Anyway, but yeah, on to the next one. Yeah, no, I, and I actually talked to Randy Brown a little bit last fall. He's a great guy. Um, so, all right, what is the what's the one thing you believe, whether it's about kicking, coaching, or life, that everybody else disagrees with you on? I don't know if it's everybody else, but a lot of people on this. Um, I kick a lot of balls. I was, do you remember Craig Hendricks who, who played many years as a punter in the NFL? Uh, he played Green Bay, Tennessee, Pro yep. Bowl guy. And yep. He kicked and kicked off as well. So Craig lives here in Tennessee and um, good guy. You know, known him over the years. We used to, to coach Dick Pierce's kicking camps. 
together back in like 94. That's where I first met him. He had been on the uh, practice squad for Green Bay. And so one thing that we talked about, and I probably went to an extreme where I wish I had cut it back a little bit. I kicked a lot of balls Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of stamina and strength along with that. Randy and I go around it with each other about this, you know, ache, you kick too much. You, You have your guys kick too much. And I'm like, Randy, do you know during training now, I didn't agree with this, but Harbaugh, like back when training camp would be like five weeks, right? Mm-hmm. We would go literally for like 14 days straight, not only twice a day, but we would warm up, do drills, cool down, and then do a team period and do that twice. Right. So you're really warming up and cooling down, kicking four different times in a day. And we would do that for, I remember, for 14, 15 days straight, you know, before you had your first preseason game. Right. And, wow. and John would tell me, he's like, we're, we're, we're tearing you down to build you back up. I'm like, so you're fighting through bad technique because you're trying to compensate for strength and all that, you know, come in. But I kicked a lot of balls. Now, I will say – you know, I had abdominal strain, uh, abdominal shredding and adductor tearing over time on both legs. And, you know, that really happened in 2011 after, you know, about 13 years in the league. But I do think some of these kids don't kick enough. And so when, when it gets down, they get tired very easily. Mm-hmm. So there is a fine line between balancing reps Mm-hmm. quantity and quality because when you're learning to develop as a kicker you have to kick whether and i'll make this assumption into the race car drivers because my son used to race cars and i'm a big nascar guy mm-hmm. it, you can't take away seat time you have to have that seat time to be able to understand what to do and how to to react and what your body's going to go through in those type of situations but you can also go to to an extreme and do too much and there's that fine balance. But I will say I probably still focus more on the end of, of kicking more than less, even though I, I have changed that mantra some in my own son because of what today's kicker is doing. So there would be no question I would go out and hit 100 balls a day. I would kick close to 200 balls on game day. I was always working in the net. Now, they weren't 100% balls. Right. But I was always working that swing in the net. And even coaching Luke on the sideline, my son, in his high school, we this year specifically, because he last year he was still learning. It was his first year. And it was like, man, you got to fit. Everything was new. Every Every game was a new experience. Everything was, you know, was just so much of like, eyes are so wide open trying to figure everything out that uh it it was like man i gotta kick 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 and like okay you've got those in now now let's kind of back it down a little bit and let's be more proactive on what each kick means so we were able to to work on that during the season and i think he stayed stronger but probably still more than than what randy would want him to kick i can tell you that (laughs) so yeah, I mean, I, I find the guys are they're kind of all over the spectrum, right? Like you'll have, like uh, I remember Goskowski was explaining his practice regime, like in the summertime, and he was like, you know, I'll go out and kick 
four or five times a week, but I'm only going to hit maybe 20. I'll warm up, hit maybe 20 balls and then go relax. So there's guys that kick pretty often, but they don't kick a lot. Or there's other guys who kick twice a week, but they really like to get into it for like an hour or two. Um, Interesting. Now, do you feel, so let's, let's kind of transition over to your, your son. Now you, you put the parent hat on, you have all this experience Mm -hmm. in the NFL and you also coach. Um, What is your take on recruiting? especially when you, when it comes down to specialists? Well, I know we talked about it about a year ago to, to this day. We were, we, we, I think we spoke right around mid-May last year. Yeah, yep. Uh, obviously, t- times are a little different now, um, you know, just with everything that's going on. But um, the recruiting thing is weird because the <laughs> algorithm yes, it is so weird, man. it happens – you know, as you know, you have a, a you know a lot of these coaches that that coach collegiately, and how a kid gets on somebody's radar is just bizarre. I, I had a a kid that I've been helping up in the New Jersey area. Um, I know know the family well, and mm-hmm. they were about to pay some high dollar for some recruiting company. I was like, don't do that. Get on Twitter and put content out there and start doing some camps. I, I was never thinking, oh, I'm going to pay money to have my son go be seen by a guy that I feel like is less qualified than myself. Right. I mean, just in my own mind, like, why am I going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to do that? Sure. And believe it or not, Randy talked me into going to, to Jamie's camp. Mm-hmm. And so, and for those of you know, I'm talking Jamie Cole. Ironically mm-hmm. enough, I coached Jamie Cole when I was in college and he was in high school and coached his brother because they, they lived in Wisconsin and uh, they they went to a camp out there and coached them. So I reached out to Jamie about this time last year and just said, can you, can you give me some, you know, some professional kind of courtesy of what the heck am I supposed to be doing here? Because right. should I be coming to your camp? Like, you know, one of the showcases, is it really worth it? Like I had always heard that the more you go to these camps, the higher ranking you get and all that. So I saw it with my own kickers, you know, you put X, Y, or Z name, it doesn't have to be Jamie or whatever class it is. And I, and I would tell those guys, like, go to the showcase, don't listen to any coaching per se, because one thing I will say about some, you know, if you go to a ton of these camps, whether it's the collegiate like universities and you're trying to actually go to learn Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's so much conflicting information. I I say, you know, it's not, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I I always say, I don't know who likes skin cats, but there's more than one way to do it. Apparently when you, when you do something there, the techniques can be similar, but I don't try to change a guy to be this way or that way i want to see what his like my myself i'm five nine i played half of my career about 200 to 210 and i played about the last half at about 185 pounds i completely changed the way i trained my son is six two and now about 190 pounds Mm -hmm. completely different body right so things that i would do and kick and the style i would kick 
can't be done with his body type. It's just not. I'm a very fast twitch, very strong, big booty, big leg guy. <laughs> He's a lot leaner right. and has a pretty fast leg and fast hips, but is very levered oriented, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a different strike. I was very much quad shot. He's a little bit open footed. I would love to see him roll that foot over a little bit more, but it's more like, uh, know, like how hot Mike Hollis coaches you, it. You look at Tuck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hollis, you know, and again, I love Mike and I think he did a great job, but Mike and Mike and I are dear friends. I believe Mike tries to turn everybody into Mike. Yep. And I think it's hard to do that. Right. Mike and I probably look more similar than, than my son. My son looks more like Buckter. And um, and maybe a little bit to Tucker mm -hmm. because they're very similar body styles. Right. You know, it's it, it's hard to 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 be that way, especially that size. I mean, sure. he's got a size twelve and a half foot. I, you know, he, he yeah. wears a, a size ten and a half. You know, a kicking foot, but I was a ten and a half on a Nike, I would wear an eight, you know? Right. So there's a difference in what I have just on what I have on surface area of my foot. So when I, when I see guys and I work with them, that's a big thing. So your original question was on recruiting. It's like, how do you get seen and how do you, you know, get that information out? So we went to a Jamie Coles camp. Mm -hmm. I sent them to Dan Orner because Sam Martin and I were dear friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, he held for me um, in Detroit his rookie year and keep in contact. And Sam is one of those guys that is a very talented dual purpose guy. And that's what I wanted. You know, Luke punts, kicks, kicks off and he holds. Mm -hmm. So I said, where do you think, you know, would help him kind of with that kind of dual. And he talked about Dan. I had never, I mean, I'd met Dan before when he came up to see Sam, but I went down there. I wanted him to compete with some of these guys and what right. he would, when he went down there was we had some bad weather and stuff. Now I don't specifically like the style of kicking that Dan teaches. That's just mm -hmm. me personally. Sure. It, he tries, you know, everybody kind of arches their back, drives their hips way up into the air. Mm -hmm. I don't care for that. I, I think that adds a lot. I think it actually can end up adding a lot of back stress. However, I think he's a very talented punting coach and kickoff coach and helped Luke tremendously in, in finding a way to say something to him that I didn't say in a way that got him to kind of get his kickoffs, not to the next level, but to the next, next level. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally in two weeks, went to hitting balls like four, one, eight, five yards out the back of the end zone. And I'm like, the heck, dude. <laughs> and so I, I reached out to Dan. Thank you so you know paying him to go to that camp was worth its weight in gold. Mm -hmm. But I feel like where I am on on my technique, I can I can not critique him, but critique style of hey, I don't think this is going to be best for you because you'd be changing this this and this. So seeing those guys helping recruiting. So I would say for as a specialist, you need to go to these camps. You need to go to – we had a list of, 
of schools that we knew we wanted to go and compete and looked at, you know, the situations, what they might be interested in, in signing a guy or uh, that type of situation. And then Luke ended up having a back situation early into the spring. And so he really wasn't able to do any of those. It's like, oh, man. And so one school had seen, and because this goes back to the recruiting, I would do a lot of videos. I would post those. I would, and I had a lot of them where once teams uh, or, or coaches would DM back and forth, we could send you know, five, six videos of a of, uh, video of five or six clips in a row. And this was this, 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 and punting in a row and, and be able to show them a lot of film, right? Right. So it wasn't just one or two just highlights. I mean, I'm sending them literally, some of these coaches, a hundred videos. Mm-hmm. And so because of Twitter, one guy, Shane Graham, um, retweeted Luke's first 5-0 as a punt. Somebody else saw it, started talking to him. And then another person started talking to this Luke. This kind of snowballs and, coach there. and talked to him say, hey, you're looking for – before you know it, UCLA reaches out. Right. Okay? And said, hey, man, you should check this you know, guy out. Chip Kelly was at Philadelphia after I left. The security guard – not security guard, but the head of security – for the Eagles, dear friend of mine, one of the great guys, um, really still tight with Chip. He reached out, hey, Chip's interested in Luke. I sent him like 100 videos. They started calling. It was this process of, you know, really kind of getting to know Luke. And, mm-hmm. and they had already offered a kid. But that kid ended up going, um, I believe it was cyber last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he ends up going to um, – to Ohio State. And so that opens up UCLA. And so with that conversation, they're like, man, we really want you to come to camp. He's got a jacked up back right now. Just bad luck, bad timing. Like, you know. Right. But he he was able to get out there. And that was the one time to be able to do it. And they had seen so many kicks. And then he went out there and, and punted and kicked and did pretty well to the point where they said, hey, we want to give you an offer. And not only that, because he had gone to Cole's showcase, was able to get all the footage from Jamie because Jamie was willing to share that type of stuff with other coaches. And I want to give kudos to Jamie for that because other guys that are out there that I'm going to keep nameless (laughs) don't necessarily share that sort of information. It's like it's theirs and we come up with these numbers ourselves and yeah. Like, no, this is this is his kickoffs. Yeah, and they didn't even make Luke kick off. But then, you know, they offered Luke, and he yeah. went ahead and made the commitment because what an amazing opportunity to be able to go out and play for UCLA. Now it's a long way from home. I mean, mom and dad hate that. I can tell you. I, I want to <laughs> see him. I want to be able to get to his games. Right. Um, you know, I would love to have seen him at like UT or something like that, uh, a little closer. Right. You know, I'm selfish that way. You know. I'm, no, but uh, you're a father, though, so that's that's expected. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's but funny, like was, just it's funny just how quickly you know if you if you can leverage Twitter and camps and you know and you have a little bit of ability, you know it's pretty easy for stuff to snowball. Now it doesn't always happen, you know, the, the second you post something up, but 
all it takes is one coach to be interested in you for other coaches to start peeking their head out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and I feel, I really do feel like Luke's got a weird story. So he went to two, to a school for two years and it wasn't a great situation. It's just who we were, you know, we were zoned for that school. It's weird because 80% of this middle school went to another high school. Mm-hmm. Well, they redistricted and it was so bad to the point. He was a soccer player, soccer keeper, really wasn't great. I mean, he was a really good goalkeeper and was a high um, prospect in the D1 soccer, but was losing the passion for it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so he was going to transfer schools. And so he did to got to go hang out with some of the kids that he already knew from middle school when, when the district rechanged. So he did that. And he's like, I'd like to maybe make a connection with some more guys and see if I'm good enough to kick. He said that to me on father's day going into his junior year. So we don't, we start school really early here. They get right. out of May. They start the first of August, like usually the first week of August. He brings us up on father's day. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like now going into your junior year, this <laughs> is when you're going to bring this up. Right. You got and he'd messed 12 around, weeks, bro. I mean, yeah, like he messed around just the slightest bit, like his freshman year, and even possibly tried a little bit for uh, – he went out for like two weeks at his high school originally, but he was traveling so much for soccer, he was all over the country. So it was like there's no way this is going to work. And so anyway, he picked it up, and when his punting was so bad, dude, when I tell you it was bad, <laughs> it was terrible. I'm like, right. you might as well just give this up. Just kick. Don't even worry yeah. about it. <laughs> He's it built like a punter having, I know, but his drop was terrible, and he was a right. and what he as a goalkeeper, he was a guy that did an opposite hand kind of volley punt. So, yep. trying to hold with his right hand now as a right-footed punter and be more vertical was a lot different than his left hand and almost throwing it up in the air and coming across on, on a half volley, mm-hmm. and. uh he, he struggled, struggled, struggled. But great group of guys, incredible high school coach, great team, started taking off and improving on a daily basis. And his special teams coach was Alan Lowry. Now, Alan Lowry, I think, coached 33 years in the NFL. Started with Landry with Dallas, you know, coached at University of Texas with Fred Akers back in the day. Uh, ended up with the Titans for for many, many years, um, just an incredible human being. Love the guy. And liked him a lot as, as a special teams coordinator and as a coach for Luke. I just – it couldn't be a better situation because sure. we were kind of clashing a little bit as, as, as dad and son out there, you know, doing some stuff. Because I kept like, dude, you got to figure this out, like, now. Like, you need to put more effort into it now if you're really wanting to get good. And so that's how – it all kind of played out. So what I want to tell these parents and, and to these kids, like it's never too late mm-hmm. and you can always do more. Right. So get yourself a tripod, get yourself something to film yourself kicking. If you can get your parents to go out and, or a friend or whatever, uh, video you video you just put your phone Show on your, your shoe, man. Yeah. Just, you know, I want to see kicks. Yep. I want to see multiple kicks. Keep the thing going. You got iMovie on your on your phone yep. that 
if it's too long, you can fast forward between kick one to two and then slow it down and two to three and then go the other direction. Um, and just let me see, you know, if I'm watching and I worked with a kid that uh, sent these kind of film out to, to people the same way. And they're like, thank you so much for doing that. I was like, for what? It's like, you, you showed 10 kicks one way, 10 kicks the other way, five kickoffs one way, five kickoffs the other way. I went, well, of course. Right. I'm not showing you highlights. <laughs> I want to show you. And when I send film about Luke, it was the good, the bad, the ugly. And they appreciate yep. it. Like, these are his, like, he went 13 for 17. This is where his kicks, this is what it looked like. Yep. Uh, I remember Randy Brown's son, Tyler Brown, kind of recruiting him up at, at Michigan. And we went up for a visit, and they had the other kickers breaking his film down when we went there and went through the process of, Hey, what do you think about him? Is he a collegiate kicker? Yes. Why? Well, this is what we see. Boom, boom, boom. This is what his form looks like. What can he improve on? Boom, boom, boom. And that's all part of the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. And you learn how to get better. And those are the things that, I, that to me, if you can, and I wish I still had the algorithm of what to do, because again, the more you can kind of throw that buckshot against the wall and just, you know, hopefully something sticks right? and find something somewhere. Um, and, you know, hopefully just getting the film out there, tagging the people you want in those in as well, as long as they're okay with you tagging them. Right. Um, I think that's huge. And, and going to these, the, as many of the kicking camps as far as for the universities that you can go to yeah. look, if you're a, if you're a three, nine to the five yard line guy, and you are a, um, you know, 45 yard for your long field goal, maybe going to Clemson isn't the prop, you know, in your, in your maybe right. you don't want to focus on that, right? Yeah. But is there a, a D2 school, a smaller FCS that you can have an opportunity locally, whatever it may be, you've got to be realistic. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that I was really trying to be with him and with myself as, as a player. Mm-hmm. He's got to be realistic of who you are and not be somebody. I mean, not everybody can hit four or five hang times that are, you know, 10 yards out the back of the end zone from college. I mean, it's ridiculous. Some of the stuff and, and JJ Molson, who was UCA, UCLA's kicker this past year and is going, went to the combine and, has an opportunity to play at the next level. His kickoffs are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I watched every game and every kick he made this year. His leg is stupid. At least <laughs> what I saw right. out there, right? Compared to a lot of other Division One, even uh, Power 5 kickers. And I, I kept saying to UCL, I like, Luke isn't that, okay? If he hits you a 4-0, minus five this year i'm gonna be thrilled because sure. he's you know he's still 17 he's not 22 you know yep. and there's there's a there's a difference in maturity and you know in that ranking as well and and i know you know you were part of this as well I, I got a little bit of heat on this on the aussie stuff that's going on and i'm not trying to down aussie players Sure. But it's very hard for a seven, you know, when a lot of the scholarships are given when you're in your junior year, physically a 17 year old kid that may have played two years to, 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 
to tops three um, to be competing against the leg of a 26-year-old guy or 24 or 23-year-old guy yeah, it's tough. isn't a fair – it's not fair. It's not even close. And I think if we saw a large number of situations like that in in quarterbacks, in running backs, it would be a completely different situation. I think there would be a little bit of a halt to that. However, right. I think it's good for the game because it's changed the game. And, I, and again, I'm, I, I love the Aussie guys. I, you know, Darren Bennett and um, yeah. uh, McBriar. And Sav Rocka was my holder for four years and just mm-hmm. a great, great dude, a great mate, you know. So I'm not trying to down any of their work ethic or anything. Like Some of the people are like, oh, we work hard. I'm like, dude, Wade Lees, who was 31 years old playing for UCLA this year. And Luke <laughs> has an opportunity me. to come in. Yeah. He's 31. He's married. You know, it's a completely different situation, you know. Right. And, um, but I understand why universities do this. Why? Well, you have a guy that has gone through some situations in life. He's got some, you know, he's, he, he's got some years behind him. So he, he, he's been through some fires in life. And right. you're going to be a little bit more mature, a little slower. You know, you can, if they you're played in big crowds, you're, yeah, but you're trusting your own job, your livelihood. Well, heck yeah, I'm going to go get a guy that's older and more opportunity to have stronger sure. legs. Sure. Right. You know, when the, these are kids that you're developing, Luke at seven, 17 isn't going to have the mental capacity and the emotional, you know, wherewithal that Wade's going to have at 31. And I'm not trying to take a daggone thing away from him. I'm just saying it's not apples to apples. Sure. It's really not. You know, yeah. I was on the, the – the Philadelphia Eagles for many years weren't getting guys that were re-signing guys that were over 30 years of age. You know, so he's already 31. Right. Going into his – trying to be his rookie. But um, – and that's part of just, you know, the game and what it is today. But so that – as a caveat into the specialist recruiting, especially the and along with that, I'm going to tell you uh, well, the punters. Yeah, and especially at the the higher FBS level, you know, um, yeah, it's definitely tough, man. Like, I I definitely see both sides of it. Uh, like those pro kick guys, like it's like the Sparta of punting out there, man. Like they they live it, and you know, I agree, and I and I think it's amazing. Good on them, absolutely, and they're training their tails off. Yep. Shane and I talk about this. He's, you know, he went over there and experienced uh, oh, how they train and, and what uh, they Johnny. do. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and again, we were on Twitter, you know, things can get misconstrued sure. in word where I want this to be out. Like, look, I have no disrespect and I have all the, uh, you know, the accolades for, for what they, what they're doing and, and they're accomplishing. Don't take that. I'm just saying it's hard to compare the physical ability right. and mental capacity of a 17 year old junior who's signing and heck my son's a senior at 17 and he right. hasn't even turned 18 yet. Right. Um, so in, in, in all honesty, when he played soccer, he played a year, two years up and he really should be going into a senior year. But honestly, right now, I really feel for these kids, continuing the conversation of recruitment, I feel for these kids right now who aren't going to have a spring where a lot of these college coaches are coming to schools, talking with them, seeing them out of practice, and, right. and really seeing them in person where, you know, it's going to take this midsummer and hopefully we can get this virus kind of 
calm down, especially as you know, in the Northeast where sure. we can have some of these collegiate camps where they can go in and prove to these schools that, hey, man, I, I got some ability. And right. I literally at dinner tonight, I said to Luke, I said, man, think about this for a second. And this is dad and coach. I said, think about if you were going into your senior year and you missed out all on your spring ball and you missed an opportunity to show these, these coaches. I remember Yale coming in with the offer and you and I talked right after that happened. I mean, I remember him hitting a, a kickoff 4-1-A about five to 10 out the back and there's Yale sitting there filming his kickoffs. And, you know, there were a lot of schools that were out there that day, Lafayette and a lot of those smaller FCA, FCS schools, um, yep. Uh, it was it was a big uh, Ivy League and uh, Patriot League were down at practice that week, and then it just kind of started snowballing. And I think that's what they, you know you have to say to these kids right now. Like I hope they're not missing out on it. And I said to him, I said, "Be fortunate that that what you were able to accomplish before sure. this happened." And I know it stinks for everybody right now. Um, and I, I wish safety and health for everybody, but just in, in general. Um, I, I hope that some of these kickers, and, and this is a time where what I'm talking about, get film out on Twitter. If you yep. need to just do a YouTube and put your link on there, do there, that. There's never get been a better film, time film, to film. Yeah, yeah. There's never been a better time to to sit on Twitter because honestly, everybody's in the office or or in their home office on Twitter. They got their phone on them. It's it's a perfect time to reach out to people. So, you know, it, it, yes, it stinks in one aspect with the actual, you know, practices halted, but everybody's got a clean slate of basically three months of nothing but self-marketing. Um, it's not ideal, but you can still get a little bit out of it. Definitely. Um, and I will say this too. Yeah. One, one last thing on the recruiting. We went and followed, I had Luke follow, any possible place that he would be even remotely and even geographically interested in any of them follow their, their specialist uh, coaches, whether it's the kicking quality control, special teams, guys follow them on, on Twitter. And because he was in, he's interested in any pot. Like, why would you be interested in my school? Why would you be? Because you never know what can happen. You could right. be an opportunity where um, you don't get an offer from any place else. And I will say this. I think going to a school and getting your education taken care of for free, if possible, is the smartest thing to do regardless of where it is. If you can play at a higher level and get that done, so be it. But getting your education, the likelihood of you going pro is so, so small. Yeah. So take it and utilize it as a platform to get your education and hit you to the next level. Now on to the next part of that is saying that, hey, um, those coaches may be there now, but they may be somewhere else in the short term. You know, they may, you know, I know some of the guys that Luke was talking to ended up in Mississippi State, but he yeah. had already committed it to UCLA. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Um, those, yeah, the coaching staffs are, change so, all the time. Yes. So continue to have develop those relationships. And I'm telling one thing for the kids. This is to the kids. It's time for you to put your grown-up pants on, become an extrovert, be gregarious, be yep. strong in, in, in saying yes, sir, no, sir, polite manners, you know, 
quit being, if you want to have a, a payday, then you need to show that you can earn it, not only on the field, but off the field. The first thing that's going to come, they're going to talk to your coaches. They're going to ask you what type of guy you are. Right. What are your grades like? Um, are you NCAA eligible type? You know, oh, by the way, is he a good player? Right. That's, and then along and that's the with last that, thing on the, the more you can ball. do. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there was a big Power Five team that, that was talking to Luke and talking to the coach, and they had an issue with their player that was more off the field and kind of how he was acting. And one of the nicest compliments that our coach was able to give, now I don't know how many high school kids think this is a nice compliment, but as a dad, it, it was great. He said, Luke is an old soul. You know, he doesn't <laughs> get in any issues. He's yep. just an old soul. Yeah. I said, man, that is a, as a compliment to you. And he's like, really? I was like, yes. You know? And so when coaches hear that and they're thinking their livelihood is based on these next four years of an, basically an 18 to 22 year old kid is yep. going to be able to come in and not be a complete idiot and screw things up, whether it's on the field, but more importantly, off the field, that gets them fired. Yes. Now, you try yeah, to do awful. as much as you can to pr prepare them for that. Yeah. And it's, and it's tougher for, you know, I, I've, I've been a teacher for years and I, you know, I've, I've taught seniors and it is a tough balance as a parent because you want to let your kid feel like they make their own, you know, real first life adult decision with college. But at the same time, you also kind of know, you know, they don't quite know everything yet. And, um, you know, and I think it's, it's really easy with all the hype of recruiting camps and, you know, whatever commitment and offers, that, you know, the point of sports is to make you a better person at the end of the day, because there ain't no 80 year olds playing football out here. Um, and if you don't, you know, and I think I've, I've seen, I think the recruiting process just is an amplifier. You know, if you're, it amplifies the best and worst qualities in some recruits and it'll, it'll come out. Um, but um, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, one last thing about recruiting yep. that I wish within these camps, I wish the camps would not make it where, Oh, this guy's a five star. This guy's a five. Everybody's a five star. Well, not everybody. <laughs> well, your five star. I wish you, my five star. Right, and I really believe that. It, and I'm not trying to, to down any camp per se, but I think that if you if you make somebody's the lowest star be a three star, where a three star recruited athlete reality wise is a really good player right but in their camp you're terrible i'm not terrible but you know what i'm saying you're you're yeah, not yeah. you're not even d3 capable that four and four and a half and five are like d3 d2 and power five mm -hmm. and that i think is a little misleading sure and, and and I know that's kind of across the board, like all of them kind of do it that way. I wish it was more, look, we're going to rank you and we're just going to leave it at that. Because yeah. if it's, I think a four and a half to a five, you would think that a four and a half is going to be able to, because I had to actually ask some of these people how is this guy, if this guy's a four star, my son's a seven star, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, if that's the case, but why is it one star different when it's so night and day different? 
you know, and I'm yeah. not trying to pump my son. I'm saying, and there are guys that are even way better than he is way better. Right. Yeah. But it's like, then that guy's a 10 star, but it's not, it's not a fair assessment um, sure. on certain, certain things. But, but overall, I think those camps, the university camps, getting Twitter along with your, you know, following the coaches, putting content out there. And as you're saying, because it, it's probably never a better time because they're in their office and they have nothing else they can really be doing right now, right. but getting on, checking their DMs and watching video of these guys, get it out there. Last uh, kind of double question here. You, you mentioned, you know, like you, faith has played a big role in, in your career and has kind of helped you keep like that true North, you know, whether as a father, college, NFL, all that stuff. Um, and I've, I've got a couple, you know, for example, like John Carney too, like he, you know, uh, he's a man of faith as well. And I found other pro players. It seems like most pro players, you know, whether it's faith or it's something else, they, they need something to kind of help them zoom out to 30,000 feet from the day to day grind. And, you know, being a pro athlete is a, is a pressure cooker and being a college athlete can be a pressure cooker as well. Can you discuss, you know, the, the role that faith has played in helping you have a, not only a rewarding career, but a, a rewarding personal life as well beyond that career? Sure. Yeah. So I have no qualms of saying I'm, I'm a Christian guy mm-hmm. that believe that there's a no matter what happens there on the field there's 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 more to life than than how I play on the field and there's times that you feel like that's all I have but the reality of that that's not the case and so you're gonna have ups and downs in in life you're gonna have ups and downs in the game it's always in life it's your next kick in life and in the game whether you make a kick or miss a kick it's always your next kick you have to forget what's happened and you go on to, to the next one. And I feel like that's kind of the way we have to be in, in our, in our personal and, and kind of spiritual life in that way. And is thinking, okay, there, there's more to it here. Um, I've either made mistakes in the past or I've done well, well, I, I need to c- continue to grow and get better. And whether you want to use a coaching term of, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. So constantly trying to better yourself as, as a player, as a professional, as a, as in your personal life and in, in your, and for me and my faith walk. Um, and so I do feel like you understand that there's a, you know, if you miss a kick, it sucks. I mean, sure. especially as a game winner. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's things. If you're passionate about it, it sucks. Yeah. But on the, on the, on the same regard, you understand there's, there's, there's bigger things in life. And, you know, this, this truly, when you, when you still break it down, whether, you know, there's times that as a dad, I'd say to Luke, he'd come home from practice. He was so ticked off about, I said, Luke, you get more upset about a practice and you bring it home at times than I would do for uh, a game that was providing income and putting a roof over your head. Like, you right. can't do it that way. So some of these kids, they get so like, they put so much pressure on themselves and it's good to put pressure on yourself to, to, to grind and to get better and do the small things 
when the cameras aren't on you and, and the lights aren't on and you don't have the silks on that, that you're putting that time, the blood, sweat, and the tears. But on the other hand, you, you, you can't do it to where you, you can't function. And it actually takes you down that rabbit hole of like things spiral out of control. Cause you're like, Oh, I better do good. Cause this guy's here. This coach is here. Sure. You're never going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to paralyze yourself. So yes, the faith has to keep you there that God's ultimately got a plan for your life, whether it's for what you think it should be. Um, as I look, as I said to you in the beginning of this conversation, if I would have written a book of, of how my life would have been laid out, I would have written it completely different than it actually had. But I, right. in the most place, I wouldn't change anything. And I, and I cherish everything that happened in my NFL career and how it played out. I know one of the things you asked, like, I mean, I went, it was in one of the questions we were talking about prior to, to the actual um, conversation today, but I went out my first time at, when I signed with the, the Redskins, it was week three. I was with on the practice squad the first two weeks. My first kickoff in the NFL went to the 10 yard. It was a four, three, seven to the 10. Steve Richard caught it. He hit it up the middle. He cut it out to the right. He was Busting down the sideline, and I can just hear Chris Berman. He could go all the way, <laughs> right. and he did. My first kickoff went 90 yards for a touchdown. My first field wow. goal attempt was a 48 yarder, wide right. My next attempt, 49, wide left. Who would have thought that I would play 15 years after getting cut from the Redskins and make it to six Pro Bowls and four-time All-Pro? Nobody. Right. I didn't write that book, you know, in my head. And, and if I was writing how I would have played that first game, and it would have been completely different. I wouldn't have been cut after my first game in the NFL. Um, but that's the way it went down. And so I just want to end it on this, encouraging everybody to, to know that whatever took place before doesn't define what you are going forward. And that's in life. That's in your, in your sports. Um, whether it's professional career outside of sports in your personal life, doesn't matter. Um, don't let, you know, a failure turn you into a quitter because if you fail at something, it doesn't mean that like, Oh man, this is over. It, it just right. gives you another opportunity to say, man, I can grind. I can get better. I'm going to come back. and I'm going to show them. That's not me. I'm going to be better. And uh, I was ready to give up after that opportunity uh, with the Redskins. I was done. I was like, man, I've been careful with the Panthers, the Falcons, now the Redskins. I'm done. And uh, my wife said, why don't you have a, one more season, just see what happens. Right. And so uh, signed with the Eagles late that year and uh, went over. They, they allocated me to NFL Europe, played a full season in NFL Europe, got extremely sick over there with Seminole food poison, 105 temperature, lost 30 pounds. Honestly, Sound like the coronavirus, for that matter. I was hospitalized for a week uh, yeah. in an East Berlin hospital. No television, no telephone, no radio. Looked out, stared at, at a, a, a house across uh, from from this real small window, and counted the the, the old. You can imagine kind of the the I, I guess they're slate uh, shingles. I would count mm -hmm. the the shingles over there, and that's what I was do sitting in bed. Um, and then came back and was a long field goal and kickoff specialist for the Eagles that year in 1999. And so you never know how it's going to play out. Continue to give it your all. And um, for the young guys, you know, 
just get, keep working on your craft, keep getting better each and every day. And it's, and it's not when you're, when you're chasing the summit up that mountain, you got to understand it's not a straight uh, ascension. There's going to be moments where it's dips and ups and down as you, as you, and you're going to have plateaus along the way. So um, those are things that I tell my son as a dad and as a coach that like, you know, you go out today, you put, you punch that clock, you got better. And then you, you keep adding that up. And then you kind of collectively look back and say, man, I put all this time, I put that effort in. And, it, and then the last little bit, I want you to go out and make goals for yourself. What do you want to accomplish this season? I want you to do, you know, realistic goals for yourself on the field, whether you're punting, kicking, kicking off, and then also um, within school. Because if you don't make the grades and you don't do well on your, on your tests and you're not getting the okay from your, from your head coach and, and, your, and your principals within that, uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing on the field. Right. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I enjoy it, man. I don't know if you have any other questions or anything, but. Thanks for listening to the Coach Cahill podcast. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to share it on any social media platform or leave a review on Apple iTunes. It really helps a lot with spreading the word. And thanks for your time.